Please join me in prayer. O oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. So one of the most common questions that I have a hard time answering is where is home for you? I don't know if I should say Korea or Chicago or even Michigan. Immigrating to America at not too young and not too old age of nine, I wasn't a first-generation immigrant, and I wasn't a second-generation immigrant either. I grew up being called 1.5-generation Korean-American. Just like we're in in-between times now, I feel like I've been in in-between generations all my life, not really knowing where to call home. Pastor Nate says every Sunday, welcome to worship, welcome to the Kirk, welcome home. When Pastor Nate used to say this in the sanctuary, we took comfort in coming home to this physical home called church. But when he started to say that online, we realized that home was more than the church building itself. We had to struggle to find ourselves at home even though we weren't physically at church. And with the pandemic and so much civil, social, and political unrest in our world today, it's really hard to feel at home. It's really hard to find rest for our souls in today's chaotic and traumatized world. Sometimes we wish we could click our heels three times like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and say, there is no place like home, and be brought back to our spiritual home, even as we are in our physical home most of the time. There is no place like home. And that's where we find Jesus in today's text, at home. A home Mary and Joseph didn't know anything about his father's house, his spiritual home. Today's text is the only portrayal of Jesus when he was a boy. And we have a panel in our sanctuary of boy Jesus in the temple. Even as we're in a sermon series in between, we recognize that Jesus is also in in-between. In today's passage, in between infancy and adulthood, in between Heavenly Father and earthly parents. But one thing we know for sure, his home at the temple, his spirit is at home in the temple. Of course, reading this text as a mom is quite shocking and horrifying. Mary and Joseph were in Jerusalem at the temple where they celebrated the feast of Passover like they did every year and were headed home. Only this year, Jesus did not follow them when they left. He stayed behind. Worse yet, Mary and Joseph didn't even know that he wasn't with them until a full day had passed. And as a mom, who's had my fair share of losing my children, want to come to Mary's defense. 
You see, perhaps up to this point, they never had to worry if Jesus was with them or not because he was a good kid who was always there next to them. Take my son, for example, Luke. Growing up, if we went anywhere, I had to check every five seconds to see if he was next to me. Where is my daughter, Rob? I never had to worry about. An hour would go by, and I knew she was right there next to me, even without looking. Jesus must have been like love. But the problem is, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And the more he grew in wisdom, he began to wonder about what satisfied his soul. He began to long to dwell in his father's house. After all, who could blame him? He was 12. That's about the age when boys enter into, yep, you guessed it, puberty. Have you been around a 12-year-old boy for a prolonged period of time? I have my son, Luke. It's the most beautiful and marvelous thing to watch them be transformed and yet the saddest feeling of losing my son. His voice changed, his body changed, and suddenly he grew a mind. Mary and Joseph thought they lost Jesus. Of course, that could be a physical loss, but perhaps that's losing the Jesus they knew, a little boy who was always with them, to a man who was growing into himself and found a home other than their house. Well, no wonder Mary was so upset. She looked back and noticed that Jesus she was expecting was no longer there. <laughs> Boy, do I know that feeling. Instead, she found Jesus at the temple who was awakening to the person he was meant to be. Jesus who grew in wisdom and stature found a home for his soul and for his call. And we know that when Jesus refers to my father's house, is really referring to more than the physical temple itself. After all, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman in John 4 that the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. What does that mean for us? Perhaps it means we pursue a bigger God who can embrace us, an ever-expanding God who can hold us, a God of spirit that our church building cannot contain in God's truth that can cut through any lies of our world today. A famous German poet, Rainer Maria Rilke, observed that our task is to be defeated by ever larger things. Perhaps Jesus stayed behind at his father's house because he could see this God who was bigger than the temple itself and a father who was closer than his earthly parents and the spirit that nourished his soul. What nourishes your soul today? Where is your spiritual home where you can soar and where you can be grounded, where you can experience the truth? and spirit all at once. In this text, 
home for Jesus was probably in the conversations he was having with the teachers of the law. Home was in the questions he was asking. Home was in the scripture he was reading. Home was in the questions he was answering. Home was the truth he was teaching. Home was in the spark of the divine he was discovering in himself. Home was in the relationship he was experiencing with God, abiding in his father. Home was being connected to that which nourished his soul. So where is home for you during this in-between time? During this time when you have been in your physical home more than you have ever been, where is home for your spirit? Where is the place, your spirit, that finds rest during this time of turmoil? Where is the place your spirit can soar? Where is the place your spirit finds its landing? When I think about coming home, I'm always taken to this time when my call to ministry and my unique identity as a Korean-American female pastor was validated. Shortly after I entered seminary, I was invited to attend CAPCW, which stands for Korean-American Presbyterian Clergy Women's Conference. I know, quite a mouthful. The thing was, I didn't know such people existed. Korean-American Presbyterian clergy women. In over a decade of serving various Korean immigrant churches in Chicago, I had never encountered a Korean-American female ordained pastor. Part of my hesitation to enter into the ordained ministry was because I had never seen anyone like me. So when I was invited to attend this conference and meet ordained Korean-American women ministers from all over the country, I didn't quite know what to make of it. It was like getting ready to meet a unicorn. My very first encounter with the Korean-American clergywoman was at the airport. Her name was Joanne serving as an associate pastor at a fairly large congregation in Minneapolis. She was 1.5 generation immigrant, just like me. And I cried all the way from the airport to the conference, where I met 20 other Korean-American clergywomen ranging in ages from 70 to 20s. I found myself bathing in tears of joy and finally coming home. A home that I never knew existed or was available to me in all my years of ministry. As I listened to the theological reflections of my sisters and stories of the original members of CAPCW who had paved the way so I could be there, I came alive as their stories became my story. I found home in their stories, in the liminal dwelling place of my clergy sisters. I was finally home, a place of my calling, a place for my changed paradigm, a place where I could freely bathe and swim in the life force of love, vision, and mission. 
four years later, I was ordained as a minister of word and sacrament. I'm not sure if I would have had the courage to embrace my calling if it weren't for my Korean-American sister pastors. I wonder if that's how Jesus felt at the temple. Like he was finally coming home. I wonder if that's why he stayed behind a place where he could freely be himself and discover himself and his call. Just like Jesus, perhaps our spiritual home is the connections we make and the journeys we take. Home is the questions we ask and the scriptures we read. Home is stories we tell and the calling we embrace. Home is worshiping God in spirit and truth. As St. Augustine had said, our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. When was the last time your heart rested in God? Home is a refuge for our restless hearts. Perhaps we can find home in these in-between times when we realize that this, this is where God, who is bigger than us and bigger than the pandemic and bigger than any political divisions and unrest, resides. Paul Tillich, one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century, defined God as the ground of being. He felt that if God were a being, then God could not be properly called a source of all beings. Therefore, Tillich saw God as the ground upon which all beings exist. And I hope you find your home in this ground of being the source of all beings, and learn to trust, rest, and ground yourself in this ground of being. Indeed, there is no place like home. May your restless heart find rest in God. May your soul find its home as you worship God in spirit and truth. May it find its home and falling on to the ever-expansive ground of